The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Holy God, we thank you for the gift of this day, for the gift of Sunday in our lives, for your call in our lives to walk in your love, to gather around uh, your Son in word and sacrament, in the breaking of the bread, in our prayers and fellowship with one another. We thank you for the gift of our presiding bishop, Michael Curry, and his a powerful witness to your way of love. We continue to pray for him as he recovers from surgery and ask that you restore him to health. And I pray that your Holy Spirit continue to guide our shared life at St. James, uh, that we might take responsibility for your love, be transformed by your grace and share it with each other and with the world. I ask all of this in the name of Jesus, our risen Lord. Amen. Amen. How's everyone doing? Good. Great. Jay preached a good sermon at 9.10. If you missed that, he'll, he'll be preaching again at 11.15. So uh, lucky you. Lucky you. Lucky us. It's all you, Jay. Uh, Jay is just back from uh, Oklahoma, where he was uh, the last few days leading, helping to lead the diocesan convention. Uh, of the Diocese of Oklahoma, which is a great gift uh, because if Jay is around talking about renewal works for a diocese and spiritual growth and the ways that we can, you know, walk in the, the way of love, that's good news for the church. So I said to Jay this morning, I'm glad you're running the church uh, out there. <laughs> so that's, that's really good news. So this fall, we're looking at discipleship in our forum series, what it means to be a disciple. And one of the things I said when I led the forum a couple weeks ago that is excellent about discipleship is that it is the whole ball game in terms of us learning from and staying close to Jesus. That is what it is to be uh, a follower of the way. A Christian is to be growing as a disciple, right? So that the same mind might be in us that was in Christ Jesus. Well, then you can, you can talk about discipleship and whatever you want, because discipleship is the Christian life. So we wanna talk about discipleship and stewardship, discipleship and mission, discipleship and worship, discipleship and prayer, and the list goes on and on. Discipleship and marriage, discipleship in the workplace. Have I made my point sufficiently? It captures the whole wide world of what it means for us to be learning from Jesus, the way of love, so that we can transform the world as we're being made in the image of Christ more and more. And it's an endless journey, I said last time, right? It never stops. I share the story of Sebastian Moore, that great Benedictine monk in England who had entered the monastery in his late teenage years. And he was writing in a book called The Contagion of Jesus in his late 80s. And he was sharing with us that he had had spiritual breakthroughs as a disciple in the last year uh, greater than he had ever had, right? So year 88 to 89, watch out. Uh, Jesus is not done with us yet, right? Jesus is never done with us as we're learning and growing. I, I tend to think that that is the best definition of a disciple is to be a learner. The question is just, who are you a disciple of? And in the church, we say we're following this uh, risen Christ, Jesus, the one uh, who was among us and showed us uh, the way of love 
showed us that God is love. Not that God is loving from time to time. Not that God, you know, is hateful and full of vengeance sometimes. That God is love. See 1 John. How do we have the courage, the knowledge, uh, the wisdom to, to make that claim? How did John have that? Well, the revelation of this life, this life where Christ continually offers himself to the Father, first and foremost, not my will, but your will be done. And then he offers himself uh, for us, for those around him, and then for the life of the world. And with that risen love, right? Christ on the cross is nothing but a symbol of outstretched love. He offered himself, we say in the Eucharistic prayer, Uh, just a moment ago. He offered himself out of love, right? And then that shifts the whole world because that's not the end of the story. He's not just a hero who died on the cross and we kind of say, wow, that was a beautiful life. We could say that, right? And he's dead. So maybe it's not the meaning of the world. We should look for another meaning, right? Just not not just an inspiring dead teacher, but, but the crucified and risen Lord who is alive and powerfully at work through his spirit in our lives, teaching us that the way of love is the way of life. And that has to find, as I said in the newsletter this week, it has to find traction in our lives, right? That's why Jesus says, come and see to those early disciples. Come and see if my way can make sense of your life. See if it can find traction and if it can make meaning for how you see the world, how you see neighbors, how you see yourself. And those of us gathered here by the grace of God have heard that story, have received that spirit. And in our best days, we know it to be the true story of the world. And on our not best days in relation to faith, we borrow it from someone else and we keep turning up and we say the creed and we say the prayers and we feed on Christ in the sacrament. And then in God's own good time, we are restored with the gift of faith. And some of us have that gift of faith where it's really, it really comes kind of, I don't want to say easily, but it just is alive in some folks. And when we bump into those people, it's really helpful. See Michael Curry, right? You bump into him and you see this life of joy, conviction. It's not just happiness. I mean, he's he's happy, right? You bump into him and he does his thing and it's like, wow, He's a happy guy, but he's, he's serious, right? He's a serious person, a serious disciple. Um, he speaks words of truth powerfully into the world, um, but he has this kind of joy and lightness about him. That is a gift of the Holy Spirit. It's a gift of faith. And then, you know, God has given him the ability to share that with uh, the, the people in his care over these many years as a priest, as a bishop in North Carolina, and now as our presiding bishop. I sort of lament the fact that we can't just kind of freeze him and he could just be the presiding bishop for the rest of my life, you know, because he's such a a force of good in the world. When he preached his royal wedding sermon, uh, you know, two billion people uh, listened to that sermon. And I thought, how wonderful. Uh, Thank you, God for putting Michael Curry in that pulpit on that day so that two billion people could hear that there is power in love. That was his message. And he talked about redemptive love, right? Suffering love, 
the cost of love. If you haven't listened to that sermon, you're really in the minority. Two billion people, hello, uh, go and listen to it. So our presiding bishop, through his office, uh, put together a curriculum, resources, um, a whole project called The Way of Love. And they built it around seven uh, verbs. Turn, learn, pray, worship, bless, go, rest. And like any good teaching tool, it's sort of simple. One word for each category. But what they've done is they've gathered up resources and practices that are time-tested in the church um, and uh, give us a way uh, to practice our faith, a way to set up what's called a rule of life, regula, rule, measurement. And a rule of life um, is a sort of term of art, but what it means simply is that you have put down some of the staples that are critical for you to continue to grow in the life of the spirit. Remember, I, I said a couple of weeks ago, that glass jar that is only so big at the top, you have to put the big stones in first, right? Or else there's just not gonna be any room for them to fit if you fill it up with a bunch of little busy things, right? And, and then the little busy things fill up your whole life and no, there's no room for what will uh, keep you tethered and growing in the life of the spirit. So what Bishop Curry's office is doing with this way of love is saying, here are some practices. Turn, turn, metanoia, repent, for the kingdom of God has come near. That's how one of the gospels starts, at least one of them. Um, you know, repent, turn. St. Augustine said, you know, that it's, it's as if we are ready to run a hundred yard dash and, and the starter goes, go, but we're, we're turned in the wrong direction. So we start running down the track in the wrong way, right? So by the grace of God, when we're turning towards the light, right, when we're turning towards the truth, we're, we're turning and we're prepared to run the race. And Augustine's gonna say, only by God's grace are we able to turn in the first place. So don't think you're special if you've turned. God did that work. That's Augustine's point, and I think he's probably right. Paul too. Um, see, the, our, was our reading today where it's like, you know, you think you're you know, wiser, I'm smarter. You think you're more faithful, I, I'm better. You think you know the law, I'd kill people in the name of it, right? That's what Paul's saying. His point is, I count all of that as nothing because of what Christ Jesus has done to turn my life around, not what I did. I was the, Paul's saying, I was the best, the brightest, the smartest, try me. And none of that matters. What matters is Christ crucified and risen and that he's turned me around to run the race. So to turn um, is, is first, to really take stock of what am I turned towards in my life that really gets all of my energy and, and commands everything of me. What is it? Obviously, we would say God in Christ for us, but also let us be real. That's why we have Lent every year and so in periods of self-examination, what else am I turned to as if that thing is of ultimate worth? Status, success, beauty, etc. 
what am I turned towards? It's different for all of us. You know, we all turn towards our little idols. Um, e even if we have our own idols, you plop all those together, it's kind of like the human story. They're all pretty similar, actually, the gods that we're running after. And our social media world and every media world in general really intensifies those, those gods to serve. So turn, and how do we turn? We listen to the voice of Christ saying, turn and follow me. And then we learn, learn from him. I spoke a couple of weeks ago about how we do that. We, we learn from Christ in scripture as we come together, uh, gathered around him in, with scripture and sacrament, we're learning, we're a learning community. We come to the forum, we're a learning community. Um, we learn about the way of love from saints in our church here and across the world and across time. We look to their example and we learn from them. We pray. What Bishop Curry means about this is prayer uh, specifically as it relates to our own prayer life. Like Zach, what are you doing to pray um, on your own? And that can take so many different forms, right? We could have weeks of forms on different forms of prayer. Jay just left too bad because he would have been happy for me to make a plug for morning and evening prayer that we offer at eight and 5.30, Monday through Friday on Zoom. That's a way to gather together and pray. Um, but that's, that's sort of the normal form of, of prayer in the life of the church. It's called the daily office. It's just the daily rhythm of prayer that's keeping us close to Christ. Um, in, in, in scripture and the Psalms and, and in our prayers. But it might be journaling for you. It might be walking in the park for you. Um, and you might do something for two months and do something else the next two. But what are you doing? What like really practical thing are you doing to cultivate a life of prayer? And you have to get specific about that. Like at, at 7.30 every morning at this desk in this chair, I'm gonna light this candle and do these prayers or else it doesn't happen, or it just does from time to time. It has to be regular. Worship, it's, why we, it's what we do when we gather every Sunday. It's what Christians have done from the earliest times, is to gather on a Sunday, and before we were allowed to gather in public space, somebody opened their living room, who had a large enough living room to accommodate a group about this size, so that we could pray and sing and uh, receive Christ in the sacrament. That's, that's what Christians have been doing forever. We didn't make this stuff up, Episcopalians. What we've been doing, Christians have been doing forever. It's time tested. We gather as the body of Christ, where we receive the grace of one another and the grace of God, and we become that which we behold. We become the body of Christ as we behold Christ lifted up, right? So our public corporate worship is not just about, I don't really feel like it, I'm not going to go. It's not up to us <laughs> as followers of the way. We just have to gather. Paul says at one point, or maybe it's in Hebrews, you know, don't neglect to gather together as is the case of some, which is to say second century church attendance was dwindling a little bit too. Uh, don't neglect to come together, to gather. There's power in that. God's at work in this um, public corporate worship. It's, a, it's leading us into the way of love. I certainly need the weekly reminder on Sundays to be gathered with you all in the sacrament to say, ah, I get it right. I remember why we do all of this, you know? 
bless. How do we become blessings for another, right? If, if we know that we have been blessed, in other words, that we are beloved children of God, that we can do nothing to earn that, it's just there. God just looks upon each one of you lovingly, beholding the divine image that is unique in you. We are loved. If you know that in your bones, not just here, but like can really trust it here, uh, then, you can, then you can build others up because you've received this gift of being beloved by the creator of all things. And therefore, everyone is a beloved child of God. Everyone, everywhere. But you have to have that peace in yourself to be able to see that another person is a beloved child of God and to bless them, right? And for us to be a blessing. Not for us just to go and only like help. Because some of our help, if we don't know that we are a beloved child of God and at peace with that, can actually be a little destructive. We're trying to figure out whether or not we're worthy through our help. We have to be at peace with ourselves, that we're beloved children of God. See that image in others and bless and be of real service. But to know that that is born out of this belovedness. Go is really similar to bless, but, and that's, that's inevitable. You come up with these seven things, they're gonna be, they're gonna cross over. They're all a part of a web. But go, we say at the end of the Eucharist, when we're, when we're fed um, and we've gathered, we say, go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Go. The mass has ended. Go. Um, that's what a, what a great image. Uh, we're prepared to go into our lives um, and, and, and be blessings to others. And then rest. Jesus, we talked about a couple of weeks ago had a busy and active ministry. And he would go away by himself to pray. He would rest. Remember, he actually got on a boat because he was worn out to go to another part of town and the people followed him. And he got off the boat and I'm sure his first reaction was like, man, I'm tired. <laughs> he was fully human, you know, he was tired. But he saw that they were, uh, he saw them and he had compassion on them. And, and recognized, I, I need to, my plans need to shift. And that, that's the feeding of the 5,000. And then what does he do after that? He goes and rests. He, go, he ultimately gets there. He does not neglect the rest that we all need. And in a modern culture that says you are worthy insofar as you are busy. That's why we all sit around on our phones all the time and don't take one second to just be like, I have nothing to do and I'm just standing here. Because then it would be like, You're, what a loser are you? Why, why are you not busy? Why are you not doing things and creating things and being productive? I mean, it is countercultural now to just like stand at a bus stop like this, right? <laughs> Can you imagine? It's countercultural. We fill every waking moment with uh, entertainment, with engagement, with busyness, and we're all fried. The environment is fried because we've cranked everything up way too much. The economy is fried. It goes like this all the time, and it's not sustainable for people to build a future. Um, our mental health is fried because everybody's never detaching, never resting. I could go on. I'm really on a soapbox on this one, because uh, I think that's the story of modernity. We've just cranked everything up to too fast, and, and everything is, uh, everyone and everything 
is overheated. So we've got to find a better way. I don't have the economic solution. I don't have the uh, psychological solution. I'm not suggesting that we just need to say, let's get rid of the whole thing and start over. Might be a good idea, but you know, uh, here we are. We live in the world that we live in. So how as the saints of God are we creating different patterns and recognizing that, oh, I'm worshiping the idol of busyness because my culture says that I'm successful and smart uh, if I'm busy. And say, no, I'm gonna turn away from that. Are we still gonna be busy? Of course, but with some kind of course correction, yeah? So those are, the, those are the seven verbs. You can find them on the Episcopal Church's website. If you just Google uh, the way of love, the Episcopal Church, it will take you right to the website uh, of our national church with a host of resources for each of these categories. I encourage you to do so insofar as you are walking away from this saying, I wanna give that some more thought. Uh, trust that that's the spirit working in your life and go to the website and look at the resources. Um, and uh, you even have a video from Bishop Curry there talking about the way of love. What I want you to do for the next six minutes is to around your table, uh, think about one of these seven verbs and just choose one and share an antidote, an anecdote about um, the way that say learning has played a role in your life as a disciple. Go, rest, turn, worship, bless, which word sort of strikes you uh, or has been important for you in your life of staying close to Jesus and, and walking in his way of love. So over to you, friends. God bless you and thanks for being here this morning. <laughs> Friends, you can finish up your final thought. I just want to say thank you. I'm going to run upstairs for the 11:15, but thanks for being here. So carry on. God bless you.